Pray with me. Our most gracious God, we thank you for new seasons of life. God, we thank you for this Advent season where we can stop and we can rest and reflect on who you are and what you've done for us. God, we thank you for coming in Jesus to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death we deserve to die, and to rise again to give us new life and to give us hope. God, today we have hope because you are coming again to rescue your children. God, as we reflect on that hope today, God, give us encouragement, give us grace, and give us wisdom to see you in a new light. God, speak through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When we approach the holiday season, we are met with lots of expectations and longings for what could be. Last Thursday, we all gathered around our tables for a Thanksgiving family meal. We expected it to go how we see it depicted so often on television and in the movies. The perfect family gathered together over perfect food in perfect harmony and perfect thankfulness together. I was not at your family gathering last Thursday, but I'm sure it did not reach the perfection pictured in a Hollywood story. But even if it did meet your hopes and expectations, it felt like it was over before it even began. Our hopes our dreams, our longings, our expectations for this holiday, just like every other holiday, left us wanting more. Whether our definition of more was a more perfect experience or simply a longer experience, we were left with a longing for more. As we approach the season of Advent, we are invited to enter into a season of longing. We're challenged to take time to reflect on the hope of Jesus and the true perfection that we will experience one day when we are complete in him. As we enter into the longings of the first coming of Christ the Messiah through our reflections on the scriptures, we're also reminded to long for the day that we hope for when King Jesus will come again. But before we begin our study of John 1, And before we begin to look at Advent longings this season, I want to direct our attention to Revelation, to the picture of what life will be complete in Christ, in the new heaven, in the new earth. Reading from Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5, John says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place for God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, because the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, 
I am making all things new. That is our hope of Advent. The hope that one day King Jesus is going to split the sky and come back and make all things new. And the brokenness that we experience in our lives, the brokenness that we experience in the world, will one day be restored by King Jesus, the rescuer. That's our hope. As we approach Advent this season, we're taking a different approach to Advent. Instead of looking at the traditional Advent text, we're looking at the transforming truth that makes Advent possible. The incarnation, which is a big theological word that means God became man. And so our theme this year is from creator to creation. And as we look at that and look at that theme this today as we begin our series, we're going to see this truth. We're going to see that it's not on the screen, but God became man in Jesus in order to rescue us from our darkness with the hope of his great light. Top of your sheet should be God became man in Jesus in order to rescue us from our darkness with the hope of his great light. Join me in John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, reading from the English Standard Version. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and this life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When we begin John's gospel, when we begin to look at our text for today, we see that John's gospel stands out from all the other gospels. Most gospels begin with the story of Jesus' birth. We find a baby in a manger. We find shepherds. We find heavenly hosts. We find all the things we typically see associated with Christmas in our nativity scenes at home. But John begins in a completely different way. John begins with this idea of word. John is writing to a Gentile audience. He's writing to people who are coming to know God and coming to see the truth of who God is without the religious background of the Old Testament. The Gentiles were not the Hebrews. They were coming from a different perspective. And so John begins his gospel not with the genealogy of the Hebrews, but with language that brings our minds and brings our hearts back to the very beginning. Genesis 1.1 echoes this text. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God is taking us back to the very beginning, to the core, to the start, to the foundation of the universe. And he begins, In the beginning was the word. This word, word, is an interesting term. The term is logos in the Greek. And it would have sparked an interest in a different response from a Jewish audience and a Gentile audience. To the Jews, the word referred to the spoken word of God in the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, God has spoken to his people about a hope of a coming Messiah. The prophecies had foretold it, and the Jews waited with eager expectation for the hope of the coming Redeemer. So as the Jew would read John 1, in the beginning was the Word. They would see that the Word wasn't merely a prophetic statement. That God's hope of a coming Messiah were not merely words on a page. That the Word was a person. 
the person of Jesus. The promised truth that the scriptures had longed for, that the Hebrews had longed for, was coming in Jesus, who is the Word. Now, the Gentile audience, not having the background of the Old Testament, would have thought of this term as being used in Greek mythology and philosophy. It's the idea of the truth behind the truth, the underlying presupposition or core idea with all the ideas of the universe hung in the balance of. To a Gentile, the core idea, the source of all truth, the truth behind the truth, the basis for all knowledge was not merely a foundational idea. It was a person. At its core, truth is not found merely in ideas or thoughts or philosophies, but in a person, the person of Jesus. These first few verses of John, the gospel writer gives us a beautiful picture of this word, this Christ, this Jesus, who's the hope for Advent. So as we see in the beginning of the verse, we see in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. We see that Jesus is, was, and has always been God. Jesus is, was, and has always been God. These two verses drive this point home multiple ways. It begins with in the be- that God, the Word, Jesus, was in the beginning. He was with God. He was God. He was in the beginning and he was with God. In putting these two same prepositional phrases we see in our Bible, in the beginning and with God, on both sides of was God, God John here is trying to underscore the fact that God is, Jesus is God from the beginning. He was, is, and always will be God. This is a glorious truth. Jesus is not God's plan B. God did not sit in heaven and watch the fall happen and go, oh no, what are we going to do? From the outset of time, from the beginning of history, in the preface of the story, God set out to rescue his children. Our God is so great. That his heart, his desire, and his hope of grace was provided for us even before we sinned. Jesus was and is and has always been God. Which leads to our first Advent hope. We can have hope this Advent because our God has a rescuing heart. We can have hope this Advent because our God has a rescuing heart. But the story doesn't stop here. In verse 3, we see that this word, this Christ, this Jesus, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. We see that Jesus is the maker of the universe. Jesus has a crucial role in creation. He made us as his special creation. Each one of us are creative expressions of the God of the universe. Guess what? We have value. We have hope. And we're acceptable to God, not because of our desirableness, 
not because of our performance or anything that we can bring to the table. We are deeply loved and deeply valued by God because he created us as a special expression of who he is. This value becomes clear in the truth that Jesus is the rescuer. He loves us enough to save us. And one day he's coming to bring his kingdom to us and make all things new. Like we saw in Revelation 21. Which leads to our second Advent hope. We can have hope this Advent because our God, as the maker of all things, will one day make all things new. We can have hope this Advent because our God as the maker of all things, will one day make all things new. This is our hope. The text continues in verse 4. In him, this word, this Christ, this Jesus, was life. And this life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus comes... Jesus is the life that brings light into the darkness and overcomes. Jesus is the life that brings light into the darkness and overcomes. John ends these verses with one of the most clear contrasts we see in our world. Light and darkness. I remember um, as an elementary school student um, in the state of Alabama, I remember one of the classic elementary field trips was going to DeSoto Cavern State Park. Sure, a lot of you in this room have been to DeSoto Caverns. DeSoto Caverns is a really neat place. But one thing they do that really freaks out any third or fourth grade kid is the idea of you all go down in the cave and they turn off all the lights. And I remember in that moment when all the light was gone and you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, the power of light was clear to me. That in the midst of darkness, in the midst of total black, in the midst of not being able to see anything, A little light goes a long way. It doesn't take us long to see that our world is dark. If you turn on the local news, you'll see stories of hurt, crime, and brokenness. If you look at the statistic, you can see that many ways this world does not seem to be getting better, but is in a state of decline. Though it's easy to see the darkness in our world, sometimes difficult for us to see that there's also a darkness in our own hearts. We may not have committed murder, but we've hated someone. We may not have committed adultery, but we've lusted after another person. The darkness in this world and the darkness in our hearts necessitate a rescuer. Someone who's willing to enter into the depth of the darkness as the light who brings us life. Jesus is that light. He came to give rescue to our souls in his first coming. And he will come again as we wait with eager anticipation for that moment when he'll come again and rescue our world. Jesus is the light in the darkness. Though the darkness may be strong, though it may appear victorious, though it may currently have a hold, John reminds us of the powerful truth that Jesus will overcome. Please to our last Advent hope that we can have hope this Advent because Jesus has overcome the darkness in our souls and will one day overcome the darkness in our world. We can have hope this Advent because Jesus has overcome the darkness in our souls and will one day overcome the darkness 
in our world. I don't presume to know where you are today. Your world may be dark. Your marriage may be struggling. Your kids may be rebelling. Your job may be unstable. Your grades may be failing and your hopes may be shattered. And your future may not look bright. But this Advent, Jesus wants to offer you hope. This is a hope not that everything will go as planned or work out as expected. This is a hope that the one who holds your future is walking with you through your future. This is the hope of Jesus, the light in the darkness being the light of your life. This is the hope that one day the Jesus who died to make you new will come again to make all things new. This is the Advent hope. But for those of us who are still walking through the struggle in the midst of the darkness, for those of us who Christ's coming seems so far away and so distant from us, I want to leave you with a line from William Cowper, a Puritan poet who at one time struggled with his own darkness and the darkness around him. And in that darkness, struggled to see the light. It says this, Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you that he is our hope and that one day he will return again to make all things new. God, today I pray as we struggle in the midst of this world to see you. God, as we struggle to have hope today, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see you as our hope. To see you as our rescuer. And God, give us a longing and a hope for the day that you will come and make all things new. God, move by your spirit in this time. We love you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In these moments, if as I was sharing today and as you're hearing about the hope that you can have in Christ, the hope for light in the midst of darkness and life found in Jesus, If you've come to realize that you've never experienced that light, you've never experienced that hope, you've never placed your faith in Christ, I would encourage you to come and talk to me or talk to one of our other ministers about how you can have that hope today. Or maybe you have some things that you're struggling with in your life, the darkness seems dark and you want someone to pray with you and to encourage you, now's the time for that. Or maybe as you're here today, you feel God leading you to move your membership to join the fellowship here at Meadowbrook Baptist Church. Now's the time for that. Brother David's going to lead us.